Praise the name of the Lord. Do we serve an awesome God? He is sovereign. He is on the throne. He is glorious. Amen. There is no God like our God. We're privileged to be able to worship the living God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, we're going to dismiss our children now for our kids' dome. Praise the Lord Jesus. We have a guest with us today. This is not his first time being with us, but special time. Amen. Glory to God. So I told you last time I met Jeremy. Actually, I met him on Facebook. Um, some there, were, there was a family that was here, and they ended up they lived closer to where he had planted a church, and they started going over there. We met via Facebook and started talking, um, and developed a relationship. And then I, I took a chance. I had never heard him preach before, and um, invited him out the last time he came, and he blessed us tremendously. And he said he was going to be here again. And so I said, Well, you know what? Let's go ahead and let him do it again. Amen. So put your hands together for Pastor Jeremy Johnson as he comes forward to share with us this morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? I don't know about you, but I feel like I've already been to church this morning. I think we just need to leave them up here and let me sit on the front row. I'd be all right with that. It is so good to be here this morning. Are you glad to be in church? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up again. I know that we just sat down, but I want you to stand up again. I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you just to yell out in your loudest voice, but don't scare them. Say, wake up! Wake up! That was pretty good, but I think you can do it a little bit better. Let's try it again. Turn to your neighbor and say, wake up! Wake up! All right, we're going to wake up this morning, church. Is that all right? Yeah. You ready to wake up? Yeah. All right, you can be seated. You can be seated. We are going to wake up the church. I am a firm believer that if we wake up the church, we will wake up our community. If we wake up our community, we will wake up our country. If we wake up our country, we will wake up the world. Is that right? I mean, I mean if I'm off base at all today, just tell me. Because I am going to preach. I, I don't know about you, but... When I hear your worship team, I, I think that this, this worship team could be in a church of 10,000 people. I mean, I, I was here uh, back in March, and I, I'm telling you, this is, I travel every single week. I've been as far as, last week I was in West Texas. Has anybody ever been to West Texas? Woo, you don't want to go there. I'm, I lived in Orlando for about six years, so this is kind of home to me. I'm glad to be back home. But I've been out to West Texas and Oklahoma and all those places out there in the, the West, the Midwest. And, and I've been as far north as, as the Upper Peninsula of, of Michigan. And I've been as far south as South Florida. I'm sure all of you have been to South Florida, right? And I have been all over the country over the last year. It's been a year solid. Uh, actually, it'll be a year this week. And just traveling and sharing uh, the message about my book, Unbroken. Remember that I shared last time? We'll talk about that a little bit, um, how God has really used that, that work and that, that book. Uh, and now this summer, I've been on the Wake Up the Church tour. And I'm telling you, I, I'm, not, I'm not lying to you. This is the best worship that I've heard. It's the best worship. Yeah, you guys should be proud of that. And I've been to some big churches and some good churches and some great churches. But this is the best. And I, I, I was buzzing when I left here in March. I said, man, they have something really special there at Faith Doma Fellowship. And I've never seen anything like the way you guys come before the service and pray. 
I'm, I, there's not a church that does that. There, there might be a church that does it, but not since I've been there. I, I, I love what you do. I love the family atmosphere that you have. And I believe that God has great days ahead for Faith Dome. Don't you? We're going to talk about waking up the church. And I know all of you are woken up already, but here's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk about six tough questions. Is it all right if I step in your toes this morning? I kind of, I forgot my steel toe boots because I usually step on my own toes as well as stepping on your toes, if that's all right. But here's what I want to do this morning. I want, to, I want to bring six challenging questions to you this morning that will help us wake up as a church and be the church that God has called us to be. I love this quote from Christine Kane. Has anybody ever heard of her? Great speaker. She's Australian. She's with Hillsong down in Australia. She travels the, the world now as a renowned speaker. She said, you know you're experiencing revival when you see what no one else is seeing when you hear what no one else is hearing and you experience what no one else is experiencing, I'll take it even a step further. You'll say what no one else is saying. That's when you know you're experiencing revival. Amen? Amen. So how many of you want to see revival in your church? How many of you want to see revival in your home? I do. You know, if you weren't here last time, I'm going to give you a little bit of background about me. I was called in the ministry about 20 years ago. I've been a pastor. I've been an evangelist. I've traveled the country. I've done all of those things. I planted a church, as, as Bishop Jason said, and, and I have, have done a lot of things. I've consulted with churches um, about their strategic plan and all of that good stuff. But I believe after doing all of that for 20 years, I believe that it comes down to a mission that we need to have to build families on the foundational element of Jesus Christ. That's it. We do so many things within the church. We play softball and we do these things. We do all these things. But it comes down to being about Jesus, pointing people to him and building our families on him. The family's under attack. Yes. I mean, if you, you can turn on the news, you can turn on, you can read your paper, the Orlando Sentinel, or whatever you want to read, but you'll see pretty quickly that the, the family is under attack. And I believe that us as the church, we need to have a sense of urgency. Urgency. Because we are not promised tomorrow. Our families are not promised tomorrow. There's probably some folks that were here back in March that are not here today. They've either gone on to be with Jesus or they're just not here anymore. We are not promised tomorrow, folks. And we need to have that sense of urgency. Say that with me. Urgency. Urgency. It starts with the church. And it's up to us to wake up the church. So I'm going to ask these tough questions. Are you ready? I want you to fasten your seatbelt. We're going to have a bumpy ride. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. It's going to be like one of those roller coasters that you see out at Universal Studios. So here we go. Uh, and it's, is it all right if I have the freedom of the Holy Spirit this morning? Is that, all, is that okay? I just thought I'd, thought I'd share that with you and ask for your permission. I, I need to be asking permission of the Holy Spirit. Here's the first question. If you have your pen, if you have your paper, if you have your iPad, whatever you have this morning, your phone. You know, see, you have a phone there. That's great because I have a phone too. That's how I read my notes off of my sermon. If you have whatever you have this morning, I want you to take these notes down and write these six questions down. Put them on your refrigerator. Put them on your dash when you're driving to work. Whatever you need to do to remember these six questions and ask yourself these questions as I ask you today, okay? Can you do that? Number one, here we go. 
Is church a priority for your family? Is church a priority for your family? Why do we make church a priority? See, it's all about choices, isn't it? The excuse that I hear so much about why I don't come to a family gathering on Sunday morning or a worship experience or whatever you want to call it, an old-fashioned service, the reason why I don't come, that, that I hear a lot, is it's a constant struggle. It's a struggle and the excuse that I hear that's so particularly funny is that it's so early in the morning. It's 10.30. I don't know, but five days of the week, sometimes six days of the week, for some of you, you get up at the crack of dawn just to go to work. But you can't give Jesus a slice of an hour and a half or two hours in the middle of the morning on Sunday. Now, it's not all about going to church. It's also about being the church. But going to church is important. And we need to get back to realizing that it's important. It's not, about, it's not about going to church once every week or once every month and checking it off of our list. That's not what it's about. It's not about going once a month and then playing baseball with your kids three out of the other weeks out of the month. I just stepped on some toes right there, I think. I didn't hear a whole lot of amens from that. I'm telling you, I'm stepping on my own toes too. It may not be baseball, maybe soccer, maybe whatever you want it to be. It may be just that you just don't feel like going to church. You don't feel like you're getting anything out of the message. I love the pastor that, that heard that over and over and over. He heard, man, I just, I'm not getting anything out of the message. I, I'm just not feeling happy. And the pastor, one Sunday morning, he came and he, he had a box with him, came down the aisle, threw the box on the stage, and he says, here, I bought everybody a happy meal. Why don't, it's time y'all get happy. Because it's not about just me feeding you, but you got to feed yourself throughout the week as well. It's not about just Sunday. It's about Monday through Saturday as well. Is church a priority for your family? Ask yourself that question. See, there are obviously reasons why we make it a priority. We get fed spiritually. Yes, we do get fed spiritually, but we also need to make sure that we get fed ourselves. We need to feed ourselves. Also, it's out of our obedience for Christ. But one of the reasons we make church a priority is that we will never make God an option, but a priority. See, we live in Florida here, right? Most of you live in Florida, I guess. I don't live in Florida anymore. And, but the word, here's what the word says. The, we, we have so many options, but we're, we don't want to make God an option. See, in Florida, we have so many options, don't we? Disney World, Universal Studios, SeaWorld, all the other water, 150 water parks that we have. We have golf courses, we have beaches, we have lakes and rivers and whatever you want to do on a boat, jet ski, or name your toy of choice. But God says, I don't want just to be one of your options. And I don't want to be halfway down on your list either. This is what the word says. It says in John chapter 14, verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so, we, uh, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Notice up here on the board, I love that you have it prominently on your stage. Notice it doesn't say, I am a way, I am a truth, or I am a life. It says, I am the way. And I don't know about you folks, but if Jesus Christ is the way to the Father and my way to heaven, I'm going to stick with that guy and not the world. Amen? I mean, that, that's the truth. 
It doesn't say a way. It is not one of many options. It is the only way. See, God gives us the opportunity to corporately worship him every Sunday. Now, if I lived in Oviedo, Florida, I believe that I would be right here every Sunday. After hearing what I just heard in this worship time, why wouldn't you want to be here? You, you don't not only want to be here out of the obedience of God, but you want to be here because you are giving back to him. He loves it when we praise him. You just don't attend church just to become a favor for him. You don't attend church out of obligation. You do not attend church because you think God is going to bless you by your attendance because God is not going to bless you by your attendance. To be honest with you, I don't like those people that have perfect attendance in school. I got a, I got a ribbon. Who cares? I don't care. God is not after your perfect attendance ribbons, folks. He doesn't need you to have perfect attendance. He wants your heart. He wants your obedience. He wants all of you. All of you. See, church isn't a reward system where if you punch your clock, you go through the motions, you play church, and you leave. And then what happens is we expect God to bless that. But God is not going to bless that. God does not bless just you punching your clock and going through the motions. He doesn't bless that. Some of you, this is a sidebar, free preaching right here, overtime preaching. Some of you do that at work, don't you? You punch your clock, you go through the motions, and you expect God to bless your job, and then you go home wondering, man, I just hate my job. Wonder why? Because you're going through the motions, you're mailing it in, you're punching your clock, and you're checking it off your to-do list. God doesn't want to be on your to-do list. He wants to be the list. He wants to be all of it. He wants 100% of you. At the end of the day, church shouldn't just be another thing that we do with our kids. It shouldn't be like taking them to Chick-fil-A or taking them to McDonald's to play on the playground. It shouldn't be just taking my kids so they can go play back in the, in, what do you guys call it here? Kids Dome, that's right. I just heard that. It should be an experience every week that shapes your family because we need to have what? Urgency. It needs to shape and transform your family. Folks, I, I made it a, a point a long time ago to preach every sermon and every message, whatever you want to call it, like it's my last because of the sense of urgency that I have because there's people in here that may be dying and going to hell, and I don't want that to happen. We need to have a sense of urgency, and we need to get back to making church a priority for our family. So is church a priority for your family? That's question number one. You ready for question number two? Are you all talk and no walk? Are you all talk and no walk? Does your walk match your talk? Do you get fired up on Sunday? Because I just got fired up listening to the praise and worship. I got fired up when we were taking communion. I mean, it was beautiful. But do you go outside of the door there and go to the parking lot, get in your car and yell at your wife and kids? Does it fade that quick? Hopefully it doesn't. Because that's, that's what, what's happening in our world today. As we are Sunday Christians, there's a generation that's turning away from the church. And the reason they give us is, I don't like church. Wow. See, God doesn't desire just weekend warriors. He wants warriors to be full time, all the time, on fire for him. Is that you? Or do you fade during the week? This is what Matthew chapter 7 Verse 13 and 14 says, this is out of the message. It says, 
don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. Now, that's a key phrase right there, total attention. I want you to say that with me. Ready? Total attention. Is your, is your attention divided? I know that it gets hard. I know that it gets hard raising a family. I know it gets hard living a life and doing a job and doing the things that you need to do every day. But here's the deal. God wants your total attention. You're saying, Jeremy, how, how can I do that when I've got all these other things? God doesn't want last place in your life. He doesn't want the leftovers. He doesn't want you to go throughout your whole day. You've got 24 hours in a day. Well, I mean, we sleep some of that time. Some of us do. I don't sleep much, but we, we sleep some of, those, some of those hours. But it's funny that we hit our head on our pillow at night and we, oh, remember God. We remember him and we're like, oh God, thank you so much for this great day and, or this bad day. I, I'm just giving it over to you and thank you. I'm, I, I'm really tired. I got to go to sleep. We give God our leftovers. We, he should be first place in our life. See, we got our priorities all out of whack. Not only is church, is church not a priority for our life, but our priorities are not a priority. We're out of whack. Following Christ is a simple concept. It makes sense, but it's not easy, is it? It's not easy. It's time we get serious about following Christ. Are you all talk and no walk? Or are you ready to give God your total attention? All of you. It's like that John Legend song. Sing it with me. No, I'm not going to make you sing. <laughs> all of you and all of me. Dun, 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 blah, 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 blah. All of that. But God's saying the same thing. I want all of you to love all of me. Isn't that the truth? I didn't even have that on my notes. Just gave you a little free John Legend this morning. Are you all talking no walk? Number two. Number three. You ready for this? Here we go. Who are you discipling? We hear that word a lot. It's a churchy word, isn't it? We want to disciple people. What does that even mean? Jesus said that saving people really wasn't our job. Think about that. It's not our job. He said that is the, the work of the Holy Spirit that saves people. One thing that is non-negotiable in our job description, though, is making disciples. We are to live the Great Commission daily. For some of you who do not know what the Great Commission is, it's found in Matthew chapter 28. We believe in it, we teach it, we preach it quite often. In fact, when we created, or when, when we created our four core elements at our, at our church in uh, Lake Nona when I was pastoring down there, we put it in our core elements, in our DNA. It was a part of who we were. And folks, it is the Great Commission. It is not the Great Suggestion. It is the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Everybody say all nations with me. All nations. Remember that because we're going to come back to it. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, always to the very end of the age. God is with us, isn't he? Always. Repeat with me. Make disciples. Make disciples disciples. Now let's go back to that word that I just said, remember. Uh, that was make disciples of all nations. See, here's the thing that we do. 
We get really excited to send mission teams and missionaries out to other nations, don't we? Now think about that. They need, the, they need Jesus too, don't they? But we don't think that all nations is Oviedo, Florida. We don't think all nations is our neighborhood. We don't think all nations is our community. All nations is right where you were planted. We don't have to go to Africa. We don't have to go to England. We don't have to go to China to tell people about Jesus. You can tell people about Jesus in the Publix right down the road. Think about that. But why don't we make disciples? See, Jesus felt this was really, really important, so much so that he included it in all four Gospels. You will find a similar message in all four. The problem is it's hard to make disciples... We all want disciples in our churches, don't we? But it's hard to make disciples without disciplers. We need to be pouring ourselves into other people. Who are you investing in? See, we're, in, we're, we're willing to invest sometimes into our kids. Sometimes we're not. But it starts there. We need to be investing in our, in our kids. But here's what 2 Timothy 2.2 says. It says, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to touch others. See, that sounds like investing in someone's life, right? So we, we always talk about our ROI, our return on investment. Folks, the greatest ROI that you will ever experience is the kingdom ROI because you will be investing in someone's life. But see, here's how it happens. If you expect Bishop Jason and the leaders of this church to be the only ones discipling people, that ain't gonna happen. They're gonna do their part, absolutely. But you need to do yours. It's time that we wake up the church. Let me show you how this works for a second. If I was going to disciple all of you, it would take a while, wouldn't it? It would take a while. I would have to go down to Bishop Jason, then I would go here, and it's still, it's still taking a while. I've only got two, and I would go down, and I would touch you, touch you, touch you, touch you. But here's, here's what happens. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, as soon as I touch you, I want you to touch someone else and see how quickly we get it to the back of the room. We, let's see how quickly we can get Jesus to the back of the room. Can we see that? All right, here we go. All right, touch, touch the person behind you. Touch the person behind you. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Touch it. Touch, touch the person behind you. See, I can't get back there quick enough. It's already back to the back. Go, 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 go. Here, look, see? That's what discipleship's all about, folks. It's not about me doing it. It's about you taking it out. Now, now, don't clap unless you're going to do it. Oh, that's good. I, I like that. Yeah, man. Woo! That's a good word right there. Don't put that in your pocket and forget it. Have you been like that, putting your pocket and you got a Tootsie Roll in there and you wash it in the washing machine? That's what it's going to be like. Pastor Jeremy told me to, he told me to do something. I'm supposed to do something. What, what was that? I don't care what you have to do to remember, but pour yourself. See, so we go to Sunday school. I know you guys probably don't have a Sunday school, but a lot of churches have Sunday school. There's a big Baptist church that has Sunday school still. You know, Sunday school is the school that you never graduate from. It's... it's it's truth. And, and the problem is we, we have so much knowledge that's coming into our life. We become 85 years old and we're thinking, oh my goodness, I, I've just got so much Jesus knowledge. And Jesus is saying, 
I don't really care about you having knowledge. It's what you're doing with the knowledge. Who cares that, that you're going to Sunday school and checking your list and getting all this knowledge, but what good is knowledge and what good is wisdom if you don't invest and pass it on to someone else? Disciple, that's what we have to do. Be disciplers. We have to invest in someone's life. That's number three, who are you discipling? Number four, and this is a tough one because you're gonna think I'm crazy when I, when I say it. Don't think I'm crazy. That guy can sing over there. You guys have a lot of singers here. Number four, whose feet are you washing? Hmm. Some of you are like, I ain't washing anybody's feet. I don't like feet. Yeah, it's like the old in love. I shouldn't be saying that. Never mind. I won't say that. It's like, who? who? No, I won't say that. Okay, I'll say it. There was a sketch a long time ago. It was, it was on a show. I won't mention what it is, but... Uh, there was a guy in the corner, it was David Allen Greer, and he, he would say, uh, I got the toe jam, who's got the peanut butter? And that's the grossest thing I'll ever tell you. And some of you are like that with feet. Some of you are like, I don't want to mess with people's feet, man. I don't want to mess with my own. Here is why I say this this morning. Here's why I say this. Because Jesus gave us the greatest example ever of serving others in washing people's feet. It's found in scripture. This is the most beautiful scripture that you will ever find. It's one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. It's John chapter 13. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And you remember what happened? He goes up to Peter and he says, I wanna wash your feet. And Peter's like, you ain't washing my feet, man. You're Jesus. You're the son of God. And then he said, Jesus said, if, if you won't let me wash your feet, you know, you can't have any part with me. And so Peter at that point is like, okay, Jesus, wash all of me, everything. He said, you're missing a point, Peter. You're missing a point. I'm not washing your feet to make you clean. You can go take a shower to do that. You can go take a bath in the river, whatever you want to do. He said, I'm washing your feet to show an example of how to serve people. I'm going to serve you and you're going to go serve someone else. See, it's that passing that thing on again. But here's the problem. We get so caught up in our own issues and our own situations that we're constantly trying to wash our own feet. And we're never wanting to wash the feet of people around us that need it the most. Jesus says, if you want to get your eyes off of your situation, put them on someone else's. Pick them up. Wash their feet, serve them. Who are you serving? You don't have to say whose feet are you washing. You can say, who are you serving today? Are you serving yourself? If you're serving yourself and yourself only, then you're missing the point of why Jesus died on a cross for you. Jesus died so that we could serve, not to be served. Jesus came to this earth so he could serve, not to be served. And Faith Dome needs to be a church that serves and doesn't expect to get anything back. And when I say that, I don't mean as a, a population. I don't mean as an organization. I mean you are Faith Dome. Do you know that? When you go out in the community, when you go down, what's that little restaurant there? Does anybody go to that restaurant there on the, what is it? Yes, that one. Yes. When you go there, 
Some of you are like, I ain't going there. But if you go there, don't you know that on your name tag it says not only Faith Dome, but it says Jesus. You are wearing Faith Dome wherever you go. Who are you serving in the community? Is it that waitress down there that needs to hear something about Jesus? That needs just a a word of encouragement? That's how you can wash her feet without even touching her feet. Show the love of God. Serve in your church if you're not serving in your church. Serve your community and then in turn, serve your world. Whose feet are you washing today? Who are you getting so close to? See, you've you've got to invest in their life before you start to wash their feet. So you've got to do the first one first. You've got to disciple them. And then you've got to wash their feet. And who knows, one day someone will come along and they will love you with the love of Christ like you've never felt before. And they will wash your feet. And they will serve you when you need it the most. Now, it's not about giving so you can get but it's about giving so you can receive the many blessings that God wants to pour in your life. How many believe that God is gonna pour a blessing into your life? I believe that. I believe that. But do your part. Next question is this. Who are you sharing Christ with? Who are you sharing Christ with? We talk about evangelism a lot in the church, but how do we do it and what does it really mean? First John chapter one, verse five says this. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But, don't you love when, when there's a but in the, in the Bible? Because when there's a but, there's something good is about to come. It says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Well, that's in your church name. With one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Folks, there's darkness in the world. How many would agree with that? There's darkness in the world, and Jesus is the light. Do you see the contradiction there? See, we have all of this light in here on a Sunday morning. But how much light do we have when we leave this place? If the world is dark, then the only hope is the church. The church, the local church is the hope of the world because we have Jesus. We have the light and we are expected to be the hands and feet of Jesus out there in the community. And if we're not, the world will remain dark. How many of you want your kids to be raised in a dark, dark world? Some of your homes today are dark. Here's the problem. We love the light, but sometimes we are afraid to shine the light. And if we're not shining the light, can we even be called Christians at all? I mean, think about this. We like the benefits of the light, don't we? Thank you, Jesus, you know. We love Jesus. We love Jesus. And then when we go out into the world, we're like, oh. It's like that song that we used to sing when we were kids. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Sing it with me. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Put it under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine. Put it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine. Here's the problem, folks. As much as I like that song, I'd love to sing it the rest of the service, but the problem is 
we have a light on Sunday morning. And then when we get out to our car, we put that bushel on it. When we get out to the supermarket, we're like, eh, we'll put that bushel on it. We're good. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone. We don't want to break free from the comfortable life that we have because sometimes when we do that, we'll have to shine our light. See, we like the benefits of the light. We like coming to church. We like, we like doing community and life with other people. But how many of us even step foot into the darkness? And when we do step foot in the darkness, do we remain dark or do we let our light shine? Who are you sharing Christ with? This little light of mine, I will let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. See, evangelism refers to the practice of relaying information about a particular set of beliefs. We know what we believe, don't we? Most of us do. It sounds simple, but we get scared, and sharing Christ with someone requires, once again, investment. You have to build a relationship with someone. Gone are the days of taking our megaphone out on the corner and saying, you are going to go to hell if you do not repent. How, how many have seen people just flocked? Oh, yes, please. They're like, I don't want that. It's not effective. But you know what is effective? What Jesus did. He loved people. Wow. That doesn't sound too hard, does it? Just love people. Just pour your life into theirs. Act like you care, but actually do. Some of you may say, you know, Jeremy, I'm, not, I'm just not called to that. Yeah. This is for pastors or people who are extroverted people. That's not the truth. We are all called, all called. And we need to have that sense of urgency again. Now I want you to think about this morning, the one or two or 10 people that you could be sharing Christ with. Think about the one, two, or 10 people that you could be investing in. Who could you be serving this week? Is it someone in your family? Is it someone that you work with? Who is it? Ask yourself that question. Who am I sharing Christ with? And finally, the last question is this. See, I've seen people go through life and they've been able to answer the first five questions. But this is what trips us up the most. See, I've seen Christians that in my life that, that have had the answers to the first five questions. They were making church a priority for their family. They were walking the walk. They were pouring their lives into others. They were washing people's feet and they were sharing Christ with others. But they were withholding something from him. And the last question is this. Are you willing to really understand this? Are you willing to trust God with everything? Everything. Not withholding anything back, folks. This is what trips us up the most. See, I knew people that did all of those things, but they were not all in. They were holding on to something and they refused to let it go. They refused to release it. They had this ironclad fist and God is saying, just let go and have your hand open and I will do amazing things in your life. I will do things in your life that you've never imagined before, but you're holding on to it. It's great that you're going to church. This is what God is saying. It's great that you're going to church. 
It's great that you're making a, a discipleship and evangelism a priority and serving a priority in your family. But listen, if you don't give all of me, all to me, then it won't make sense. It won't all come together. The blessings won't fall. It will not happen. For some of you, it's an addiction that you just cannot get over. And you're doing all of those things. You're trying really hard, but you cannot get over it. You can't get through it. It's time that you give it over to God and trust him with it. Sometimes we just don't trust God with it. For some of you, it's finances. Oh, you'll play Mr. Fix-It and Miss Fix-It, and you'll try to fix it, and I, I, I'm going to turn the curve this next month. And then you get to the end of the month, and you're like, oh, I can't even make ends meet because I'm trying to do it all myself. And God's saying, you know what? If we're going to wake up the church, I need all of you. I need, all, I need you to be all in, even your finances. For some of you, it's family your family is falling apart around you, but you're doing all the things that you're trying to do. You're trying to do those things, and God is saying, give me your family. Give me your marriage. There's strongholds on marriages this morning, probably when you walked in this door, that you said, I don't even know if I'll be able to make it to the next week with my spouse. And God is saying, hand it over to me. What are you doing? You're in the right place. You're in church, but... But I need it all. For some of you, it's grudges that you're holding and this bitterness that's weighing inside of you that you need to release today on August 30th, 2015. It needs to be over and done with. Because God cannot work through you and work through his church, which you are his church. He can't work through his church unless he has all of you. For some of you, it's baggage and you're saying, you know what, Jeremy, I would love to be able to do all of these things. I would love, I would absolutely love to disciple someone, but I am not good enough to do that because of the things that I've suffered in my past. Let me tell you, folks, let me give you this word of encouragement today. Your past is over. God has thrown it as far as the east is from the west. God can use you right where you are, no matter what you've done in your past, no matter how bad it is. I don't care. God doesn't care, most importantly. And he can use you exactly where you're at. And it's time to release that today and give it over to him. It's time. I don't know what it is this morning for you, but it's time that we do this. It's time that we wake up the church. And if we wake up the church, we will wake up Oviedo and Orlando and Central Florida. And when we wake that up, we'll wake up the rest of the country and the rest of the world. It starts with the church. Rising up to do what God has called us to do. Are you with me? Are you, if you're not with me, you're against me. And as you know, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to destroy all of your families. He wants to destroy churches. But God says, I'm not going to let him because we're about to see an awakening take place. We're about to see an awakening. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want you to stand with me. Just stand with me. Can we play something? Just Let's, let's play something. I want to do something a little bit different this morning. I, I, I was feeling this this morning. And so if you'll just let me be obedient to the Holy Spirit this morning. We're going to play. They're going to play something. I'm not going to play anything. They're going to play something. And here's what I want to do. It's time, folks, that we step out of our comfort zone. 
and we do some things a little bit different to wake up the church. We need to wake up ourselves. Don't you understand? When I'm saying wake up the church, it means you being the church. It doesn't mean waking up the building. The building's already awoke. It's about you stepping out from where you're at and taking that next step, that next level and committing everything and trusting God with everything in your life. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about those several people that you're going to share Christ with this week. I want you to think about those several people that you're going to disciple this week. And I want us to end this morning with as many as we can. I know we don't have any altars or anything like that, but I think we should come forward this morning. And I think we should represent that we are going to wake up the church, not just Faith Dome, but we are going to wake up and be the church. And we're going to commit to that. And as you come to the front this morning, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring those people that you need to pray for. They may not be here, but you bring them in your mind, in your heart. And you pray for them right here. Because we want to be a church of prayer. We want to wake up our community by waking up what's inside of us. So this morning, as we play this, I want you just to leave where you're at and just come up front. We're going to end in a word of prayer. And I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to ask God to bless your efforts as we wake up the church. As we wake up the church, you come forward, okay? Just step out right where you're at. Whatever you need to entrust to God today, whatever you need to give over to Him,
that you want to see revival take place in this country and it starts with us you're not here in person to do it and we need to be your hands